We've said it a couple times this season, but once again tonight, the biggest game in IU women's basketball program history. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen. want to thank our sponsors for today's episode, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. As I said, we've mentioned this multiple times this season. But tonight, a top-five showdown between IU and Iowa. Uh, Again, the biggest game in IU women's basketball program history. Certainly regular season game. There aren't many that are going to be able to compete with this one. To preview this game, uh, nobody else I would rather uh, come in and talk women's basketball, Big Ten women's basketball with, than the author of the Hoopla newsletter over on Substack, Wyatt Crozier. Wyatt, man. This one's been circled on my calendar for a while. I think for all IU fans, it has. As kind of a neutral fan, how excited are you for this contest? Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I've been this one's been circled for me as well. There's certainly been some big matchups before throughout this season, um, but with how both Indiana and Iowa have been playing recently, they both ride some big, big winning streaks coming into this one. They've separated themselves a bit from what seemed like a packed Big Ten title race. And now they play twice in less than three weeks, and it's going to be – it should be bangers. I'm very, very excited for these. It's been – if for no other reason than the fact that you lost three times to them last year. Iowa could have had whatever season this year, and IU was going to want to beat them. But as you said, these two teams have kind of separated themselves from the rest of the group. They currently both have are two losses ahead of everyone else, I guess. It, the re, the amount of games played aren't the same, but each have one loss. Maryland is next at three losses. So these two games were almost always going to have a huge impact in the Big Ten title race, and we're going to find out a lot, and it's, a lot's going to be determined by these two games starting tonight. Uh, let's talk about Iowa a little bit because – they came in with a lot of expectations, rightfully so. Maybe a little bit of a slow start to the season. They played some tough games, came up short in a couple of them. Um, but now they're absolutely rolling. Let's start kind of at the beginning. A little bit of a slow start. Was that more a product of who they played or how they were playing? It was a little bit of both. I would say they are playing their best basketball now, but they did also, none of their losses are too bad. All of Mm -hmm. them are single digits. Two of them are to UConn and NC State, which are very, like, they're very good teams. UConn is, I don't have to say anything about them. NC State's a top 15 team. Um, They did lose by four to Illinois, who's had a very good season, but probably a game that they could win. And then they lost one to Kansas State, which is their lowest, like, rank, like, as far as, her hoop stats rating that's their lowest loss but that was by one point um but they also they've played a really close one against drake they've had michigan state they played over time they've had lapses throughout the season 
Um, but overall, they're just such a high-powered offense. And these past, I think it's an eight-game winning streak they're on right now. It's everything is firing in all cylinders. Um, I'm sure we will talk more about Caitlin Clark, but she is playing very good, efficient basketball. Um, and I think they've gotten a lot of help from the bench. Hannah Stolke is their true freshman star um, off the bench. She's gotten a lot more minutes recently and has played very well. So I think it's just kind of the offense was going to figure itself out. And it's just so high powered that they can score 90, 100 points on anybody. And now they're doing that pretty consistently. Um, and they're, they're winning games pretty big, mostly in, in this winning streak. They've won eight straight. They've won 14 of their last 15. That Illinois game you mentioned is the only loss since losing to NC State on December 1st. Is it in terms of what's clicked for this team in that stretch? Has it been just the offense has been so good that uh, they're able to just kind of outscore teams, basically? A lot of it is that I think they're playing they're playing good enough defense a lot of the time. Um, they're they they there's always they have that saying of like the best de- they could do the best defense is a good offense they can do the reverse of that saying in a lot of ways because they're moving so fast down the court they can they can score on you so quickly and then if you make one miss they're back in transition and they've scored again and you have to you have to kind of like recuperate and everything um, their offense is so good in transition uh, because of Caitlin Clark because of how fast she can move the ball or run up the court but they're also I think they're getting a lot better at when they can't get those transition points. They're finding open looks. They're looking at Monica, Monica Zanano. They're looking at Hannah Stolke when she's not in. Um, and they have so many shooters that if the inside's not available, they can find an open shot around. There's just so many weapons for Iowa. And I think the offense has just been even more efficient, even when it was doing pretty well early on. There's, as we said, obviously the stakes of the Big Ten title race, both one loss, both top five teams. There's been a lot. When we last had you on, we were kind of discussing. We thought Iowa was kind of the top team. IU and Ohio State were there. There's been some jumbling around. IU and Ohio State look like the best teams at the beginning of the season. Ohio State is, I mean, back-to-back games against Iowa and IU losses to both of them really have fallen off now. Now it's Indiana and Iowa at the top of the conference. Are these the two best teams in the Big Ten? And I mean, do you think these two games coming up are going to be kind of deciding the Big Ten title? Um, I would say almost certainly. And I think Maryland is the only one that's kind of hanging around that they also still could compete for the conference title at this point. Uh, Ohio State um, has abandoned me. I (laughs) think they will. I think they will figure it out. Uh, J.C. Sheldon came back for the first time last game. Uh, in an absolute beat down to Maryland. But I think getting her more minutes, if she can get to full strength, that's still a dangerous team down the road. But they've they've dropped four out of five. They're looking out of sorts. I, I think that they're at least a tier below now. Um, but Indiana and Iowa playing twice at the end of the year. They're two games ahead of everyone, at least by losses. Uh, Maryland, I think, only plays Iowa. I think Indiana's done with them. So yeah. Maryland, Maryland would need a loss somewhere else probably from one of these teams. Uh, but they're playing really well. I would, but I would say, as far as like the best teams right now, Indiana has been the most consistent, and then Iowa recently is is right behind them. And then there's a pretty steep drop off, which is fun to hear. I I can't get over the fact about how good Indiana is now. You can also look at national tourney seedings. I uh, IU is depending on where you look. ESPN has them as the number two overall seed, the number one a uh, number one seed. Iowa is a number two seed right now. 
Uh, is there a scenario where Iowa plays itself into the one seed with some wins here? Or is there, and kind of similarly, do you think IU could fall off of a one seed with a couple losses to Iowa here? I would say that it's certainly possible, especially because there's there's probably, it's South Carolina is almost like undoubtedly going to be a yeah. one seed. And then it's Indiana, Iowa are competing with Stanford and UConn and LSU. Um, LSU probably is one loss away this week into South Carolina from mm-hmm. not really being in that conversation anymore. But as of right now, they're undefeated. So they're certainly there. Uh, I think if these two teams split these games or if it's 2-0 and it's very close both those games, I can't imagine that hurts their resumes much at all. It would probably take another loss elsewhere. Uh, and then you never know with the Big Ten tournament as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think they're both in the race right now to, to definitely be competing for one seeds in the tournament. They could both get there if these games are close enough. I, I think I think they're, they've both been so impressive as of late and I don't see there's a reason why they couldn't both get there at this point. Again, if you just want some perspective as IU fans, I mean, this time last year we were discussing a bit just about hosting uh, the first round, and that was a goal for this program. It wasn't that long ago that IU was just hoping to make the tournament, and now we're talking solidifying their there's number one seed. What Terry Morin has done there, we'll, we'll sing her praises forever and ever because she has completely turned this program around. Let's talk a little bit more specifics about Iowa. We've mentioned some names here and there. We'll talk about each of them. Before we do that, let's talk real quick about today's sponsor, FanDuel. We're really excited to have them uh, on board with Locked On now. They're the number one sportsbook in America. If you're new to FanDuel, the best time to get started is now. Uh, You can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet, and you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. It's a super safe, simple, secure, easy-to-use app. You get all your winnings paid instantly. So if you guys want to join today, head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you also check out Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place here from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players locked on college basketball. If you want some men's basketball talk about IU, I was on today's episode with Isaac. So head on over there after this, it's available on YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. Let's talk about Iowa. And you mentioned their high paced offense. That was kind of the difference. I think between these two teams last year is IU a lot of time just simply couldn't keep up with them. Is it still that same kind of level of high-paced offense for them as it was last year? Definitely. Um, they rank 11th in possessions per 40 minutes in the country. Uh, they're very fast when, when they want to be. They, they move in transition. They're pretty much the same. I think it's the same starting five as last year. They've added a transfer and then Hannah Stolke, as I said, Molly Davis is the transfer off the bench. Who They, they get minutes, but this solid this starting five has so much chemistry. They know where they're going to be on the court. Uh, it's really it's really fun basketball to watch. They 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 move it around really well if they if they don't get it on on the in transition. Uh, but that's definitely their their biggest strength is that they they're averaging 88 points a game. That's tops in the country. They're they're a high powered offense in in every shape of the word. It seems like I mentioned this a couple times. One of the differences with IU it seems like on paper is an ability to at least play to that level. Does it feel like that is one of the big differences in IU this season versus last? 
Absolutely. Uh, I think last year, as for as good as the Indiana team was, they weren't the, they weren't the best shooting team, at least from deep. And they, they weren't as good in transition. They, they, they relied a lot on slow, methodical offense. And they still do sometimes now, but they, their pace is up from last year. And when you watch them against faster teams like Ohio State, they look just way more prepared than they did. Um, and that's also because of some of the new players. They got Sidney Parrish as a transfer yard and guard zone. has been great as a freshman. They have more shooters, so they have more opportunity to do such things. Uh, but even just as far as coaching goes, it looks like Terry Moore adapted and was like, we need to be able to play with an Iowa-like team, and then this is how they did it. And then it's just it, – it looks like they can slow it down or speed it up with whatever their opponent kind of requires. Yeah, it – I mean, Iowa wasn't going anywhere, so Terry Morin very much kind of adapted to what was in the conference, and I've kind of discussed it that, um, and a friend of ours that's been on the show, Sabrina Merchant over at The Athletic, has kind of said to me that I use offense as a little bit of a -a whack-a-mole where you can try to solve one problem and they're able to do something else to, to make it difficult for you. Getting back to Iowa, obviously the big name that everybody knows about is Caitlin Clark coming in her 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 averages are just mind-boggling 27.6 points 8.2 rebound or 8.2 assists eight rebounds per game how great has she been this season she she is a marvel uh she has been since she has been in this conference which was three years ago um what i'm always impressed with is somehow her numbers get better in conference play you would think they'd get worse than how stiff the competition is She's averaging 28.1 points, 8.6 rebounds, 9.6 assists in conference play. And she's shooting 41% from three on nine attempts. So it's not like competition scares her or slows her down. I mean, it can, and Indiana certainly did a really good job against her last year in that, in that aspect. But generally speaking, like last week they played Maryland and it looked like a it looked like a joke <laughs> for her. Yeah. It, like they Maryland's not the best defensive team. They're good at other things, but she was she was just having a field day out there. Um, and sometimes she can do that if she if she's on and the shots are falling. It's hard to really fully contain her. Um, but the way she plays, it's and, she, and everyone sees like the thirty five foot threes because they're really fun and I, and I enjoy those. But she's a really good playmaker. She can get to the hole really well. She's she's really good free throw shooter and getting to the line. And her playmaking is is imp- really, really impressive. She turns it over a bit, but um, I think you take that chance because of the assist that she does make for that team. That Maryland game, she has 42-7-8. The Ohio State game uh, a couple weeks ago on the road with 28-15-10, a triple-double. She is <laughs> – she gets all the des- – like she's deserving of all the praise. Like it's hard to really yeah. just – uh, come up with the the words to describe how good she is. She is absolutely phenomenal, and she's the driving force of how Iowa plays and what makes them so successful. Now, if you ask IU fans, Monica Sinano is equally dangerous because last year she destroyed IU. Uh, she's back again this season, 18.6.3 rebounds per game. Uh, how has she been this season? It felt like she had a bit of a slow start for her for her standards, and then she's picked it up as of late. Um, as you said, she she often picks it up in big games as well. I had I got the stats from Caitlin Clark and Monica Zanotto from last season against the Indiana in those three games. 
Clark averaged 21.7 points and shot 40.7% from the field, 19% from three, which is bad. Uh, Monica yeah. Zanano uh, averaged 27.7 points and shot 73% <laughs> from the field. Uh, and two of those games were 30.10 rebound games for her. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with the health of Mackenzie Holmes at the time. But yeah. regardless, Monica Zanano is one of, if not the best, interior scorers in the country. Uh, on pure scoring level, her her footwork around the rim and her way to just get an open shot is very, very impressive. Um, her defense is less impressive. It's it's all right. Uh, but as a scorer, she is she's very hard to stop and slow down, especially because of she because she has Caitlin Clark to get her very good looks inside as well. Yeah, her last two games last year, uh, they played IU back to back, like two days apart on a Saturday and a Monday. The Monday game she had 31 and 10. Uh, the Sunday game, or excuse me, in the Big Ten tournament, she had 30 and 10. I, I I said this before, I was there. I watched her just thoroughly dominate IU, and I voted her MVP. But, I mean, it was Caitlin Clark that ended up winning it. And, again, she was deserved. But I thought it was Sonano, especially down the stretch, that IU just had absolutely no answer for. Like you said, Mackenzie Holmes was far from 100% last season. She's much 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 better than she was at really probably any point last season right now so it's going to be an absolutely fascinating matchup to watch you mentioned some other names as well who are I mean those two get a lot of the attention and the focus who are some of the other names that are going to kind of have an impact in this game for Iowa I think I, I may have said this even on your podcast. I say it anytime I, ch- I can. McKenna Warnock is one of my favorite players in the Big Ten. I think she's like the most underrated player because of her teammates. Uh, she is a consistent 40 plus percent three point shooter. Um, consistent, like I think she's averaging 12 points per game in the Big Ten. Uh, really good defender. She's the best third option that you could have on most teams. Just really efficient scorer, good defender, uh, gets six rebounds a game as well. Um, I think she's huge, and if you put too much attention on Clark and Zanano, then she's going to be open for threes and is very dangerous. Um, Kate Martin and Gabby Marshall are the other two veteran forwards, four veteran guards on the on the starting lineup. Uh, Kate Martin's been a very good shooter this year. Both both add a lot as just more shooting pieces. If you put too much attention to everyone else, they can definitely hit the wide open looks. Uh, I think the one the one that's been most impressive to me, I said earlier, is Hannah Stolke, the freshman forward. Um, especially because Monica Zanano can get into foul trouble once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. And if she does, there's a fall off there, but Stolke is a pretty solid replacement that Iowa did not have before. She's especially a very good rebounder. I think even better than Zanano. Um, so if you do slow down or contain Zanano and get her into foul trouble, you're not out of the woods necessarily because Stolke is still a game changer. And if she gets a lot of minutes, I'm curious to see how she would do against a Mackenzie Holmes in this league. It's going to be interesting to see how IU approaches this game offensively, especially early on, uh, because at times this season they've made it a point to get the ball to McKenzie and have her attack uh, against Ohio State. I was trying to look up the name. I'm blanking on their center that she got into foul trouble, um, and eventually she kind of played over. Yes, I knew I I was going to struggle even when I found the name, but uh, she – she got into foul trouble and didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So it's going to be interesting if IU takes any kind of similar approach to that and maybe trying to get Sonano into foul trouble. It's just in general, not a bad idea to get the ball to McKenzie Holmes early on and, and try to have her score. But it'll be interesting to see if their approach is to 
potentially go at Sonano, see if they can get her in some foul trouble. And I mean, that's the best way for her to not drop 30 and 10 on you is for her to be on the bench. So uh, I'm fascinated to see what that approach is going to be like for them. Want to talk about Big Ten Player of the Year race. Obviously, the two front runners are going to be playing in this game. And some interesting comments Terry Morin uh, made heading into this game. We'll do both that here in a minute. So we talked about Clark. IU fans are very familiar with McKenzie Holmes. The two front runners, I would say, for the uh, Big Ten Player of the Year race. Uh, again, as kind of a, a neutral fan, a fan of the Big Ten looking in on this, where do these two stand in terms of the Player of the Year race, and how much is are these two games going to factor into that discussion? For I'm going to say for me personally on this, because I'm not sure if the voters are already so Caitlin Clark pilled that it's over in their minds, some of them. Um, but I think that it is a race. And I think it's when you look at the numbers, it is as well on win shares on her hoop stats. Clark is third in the country. Holmes is fourth. It's like the, yep. they're right next to each other. It's not there's there's no big gap there. And I think that I would have Clark ahead at the moment. But I, I am looking at these two games that they play, like, very much so to decide this. Like, if Mackenzie Holmes has two huge performances and gets two Indiana wins and Clark struggles, that's enough for me to be like, okay, I think that that might be the edge. Um, because Indiana is a very high-powered offense that doesn't rely as much on Mackenzie Holmes by design. They have so many good weapons mm-hmm. that they, they don't need to. Um, but she's still, like, unbelievably efficient. Um, she's a great rebounder and she's a really, really good defender. I think that's underrated about her game. Um, and yeah. so I think that if Indiana finishes this season with, with one loss and with two wins over Iowa and Holmes is a star in those, I think that that's enough to be like, okay, I think she might be conference player of the year, despite Caitlin Clark putting up unbelievable numbers for the third year in a row. And Mackenzie Holmes is very high up on the all-time blocks list for IU's program history. She might have the record. I was trying to look it up, but to your point about her being a strong defensive player, it's also just wild to see her field goal percentage because it is uh 69.6%, which she was doing that at the beginning of the season. I was like, well, this is really cool, but that's going to go down eventually. It didn't. It's just stated at almost 70% <laughs> the whole year. So like she is, that's that, that shouldn't feel normal, but she's routinely like 11 of 13 for 24 points and nine rebounds. And, and so the level of consistency, consistency she brings mixed with that efficiency night in and night out is one of the big reasons that IU has had just one loss this season and has looked as good as they have. Where do these two factor into the national player of the year race? It's one that I, as I look in, it's probably Aaliyah Boston. <laughs> we mentioned South Carolina is kind of far and away the best team, and I think she's probably far and away the best player. But I guess where do these two kind of factor into that conversation? Yeah, I think it's between – I think these two are both in it. I think it's Aaliyah Boston, and I think probably Angel Reese at LSU. Yeah. Um, I think even if I think LSU is not quite as good as their record says, her stats – are despicable. <laughs> I 23.5 points, 15.8 rebounds, and then 1.9 steals, 1.4 blocks per game. <laughs> Selfishly, I am glad that she is out of the Big Ten. 
So <laughs> I think that she is in the running. I think like this matchup coming up tomorrow, or I guess today for those who are listening, uh, I think Angel Reese against South Carolina, the Angel Reese-Leah Boston matchup could be another like decider for like a national player of the year award as well. Um, I think that they're, these two are both in the running, and if they have big performances down the stretch, there's going to be an argument for them. Uh, Maddie Segrist and Villanova as well has been very good, but they're in it. I think the bottom line is that they're in, I think they're in the conversation, or at least they should be. So that bring just kind of this national conversation kind of brings us to Terry Morn's comments today. Uh, well, again, as we're recording this on Wednesday, they were lengthy and this was a, a big, long um, kind of diatribe she went on, but included in it was a very interesting kind of aspect of it because there's been a lot. I asked about national player of the year and whatnot, because IU fans have kind of voiced some displeasure about how it feels like they're not in a lot of these discussions. And there's also a lot of time during games spent talking about Caitlin Clark when it's IU versus whoever. And Terry Morin outright addressed that. Uh, And I'll try to get the kind of relevant part uh, from Terry Morin. Quote, if the national media doesn't want to give us attention, as we've always said, we're just going to allow our work to be our voices in the noise. We can't get caught up in that. It's unfortunate that we talk about the same teams year in and year out, the same players year in and year out. You can tune into our game and we're still talking about, and again, no offense to Caitlin Clark, but Caitlin Clark's not playing in the game on that particular day, but we still want to talk about Caitlin Clark during the Ohio State-Maryland matchup. And we do that with UConn and we do that with other teams. And it's just unfortunate because there's so many really, really good basketball players out there and programs, us included in that, that we don't get the attention. It was very kind of strong words from Terry Moore. And what were your kind of thoughts when you saw those uh, quotes come across? I think that she made some really good points. I do. And it's hard because I don't want it to come across like, and I, and she didn't either. I don't think is to like, it's not Caitlin Clark's fault that this is what the coverage is. Like, I think that, ESPN has latched on to everything Caitlin Clark because for one, she's an incredible basketball player. And for two, she's a very, when you watch Caitlin Clark, you get the appeal immediately because of those deep threes, because of mm-hmm. she plays with a lot of energy and passion for, for better, for worse, depending on if you're rooting for her or not. Um, she plays a lot of flair um, and it's a whole lot of fun, but I do think that it comes at a cost when she makes a somewhat routine pass to a really nice shot. And then you're not even looking at whoever scored it. Or if you're in an entirely different game and all you can talk about is is another team in another conference, like I just I don't think it's necessary to go that far into the coverage. Her her game speaks for itself. Whenever you watch her, it's like oh wow, I get it. Like she's really good, really fun player. Um, so I think it's just detrimental when you're overdoing it. You're going to make people annoyed at her, uh, which I see plenty on Twitter. People yeah. being annoyed with her, um, and I so I think just if you're going to do this. I think it, it almost comes at a cost of the player you're trying to hype up so much. I think it's just, I think what Terry Moran said is, is accurate and I get why people could be upset about it if you're an Iowa fan, but I don't think she meant it as like Caitlin Clark doesn't deserve attention. Mm-hmm. It's more that give everybody attention. There are other really, really good players. That's why I like covering this conference so much. It's a really fascinating women's basketball conference that deserves more than just one player's attention. Like you said, I think the biggest kind of side effect of this is that it 
starts turning people against Caitlin Clark because they hear about her so much, which is unfortunate because Caitlin Clark is absolutely phenomenal. But there are times when there are really good players playing in the games that you're watching. She referenced the Ohio State Maryland game, which has uh, talented players on both sides. JC Sheldon is obviously, she's been out, but she's one of the best players in the conference, one of the best players in the country. And Diamond, Diamond Miller's uh, yeah. projected third pick from ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. Diamond Miller as well is one of the best players in the country. And it's just, there's no need to talk about Caitlin Clark in those games. If you compare it to men's basketball, if you're tuning into Ohio State Maryland men's, they're not going to be talking about Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady or, or something like that. It's certainly not to the degree that they do. Whether it's Caitlin Clark on the national stage, it always feels like UConn gets a lot more coverage and things like that. So it's a challenge that I think they're having to battle with right now because I think it's probably good intentioned talking about Caitlin Clark and wanting to get the women's game out there. But when you focus so much on one player, it, it has these side effects to where you don't, you're rooting against her now when. She's one of the best women's basketball players that we've ever seen, and uh, she deserves all the plaudits and, and all the the excitement around her. And it, it's unfair to her and to these schools and, and whatnot to kind of have them um, turn into villains almost in in uh, in these situations that they're not even really a part of. Caitlin Clark's not asking to be talked about during the Ohio State Maryland game, so uh, it's unfortunate for her and whatnot. The uh, last thing, I mean, just let the people know where they can find you. Appreciate you coming on as always. Let them know where uh, people know where they can find you and your work at. Yeah, um, I'm so excited for this game. I'm debating. <laughs> I'm debating writing about it like literally the next day if it's if it goes uh, as excitingly as I think it will. You can find me on Twitter at Hoopla Wyatt, spelled uh, H-O-O-P-L-A-W-Y-A-T-T. Uh, you could subscribe to my newsletter, the Hoopla newsletter. Every Monday I talk about this lovely Big Ten Women's Basketball Conference. And then most Thursdays, I've been consistent recently, uh, is about something random that or, or exciting that I've I've wanted to talk about all week. Um, I'm, again, so excited to watch this game. I wanted to say, because I forgot to mention this earlier, the Caitlin clark Sydney yep. Parish matchup excites me because of how much uh, energy and flair they both play with. I think that will be fun <laughs> because Sydney Parrish was throwing some fun shushes a at number the of crowd. Yes. Yes. I have the, <laughs> I, I mean, I obviously can't show, but I have, I saved that photo of her shushing the, the Purdue crowd on my phone. I'm ready to use that so much. She, oh, uh, yes. flair is one way to describe it. energy, passion, whatever you want to say. It could, uh, it could lead to things we saw last year a little bit. The Cole Cardano <laughs> Hillary can get or got under Caitlin Clark's skin. Yes. Uh, Cole Cardano Hillary didn't play with kind of that same level of outward passion. She wasn't shushing crowds or anything like that, but uh, it's happened before. <laughs> we'll see if it'll happen again. I'm super excited for it. Uh, I hope everybody listening is as well. This is a, a fun time to be an IU women's basketball fan. It's a fun time to be a fan of the Big Ten. Uh, go check out Wyatt's uh, newsletter. Even if you guys don't kind of actively follow, it's a great way to stay up to date about what's going on in Big Ten women's basketball. There's going to be a lot of really uh, teams with really high seeds in, in the tournament from the Big Ten. So get caught up in all that now, and you guys can enjoy 
all that fun come tournament time. We'll have to have you on later in the season, whether before the next Iowa game, sometime around tournament time. Always appreciate having you on. Always appreciate you guys for making us your first listen every single day. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be live tonight after this IU-Iowa game to recap hopefully a, a win, but what I'm sure will be an exciting game. So appreciate you guys for subscribing. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube to join in on that live stream tonight. And as always, uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day in LEO.